Hi there, Simon Trevor Ennis. Hi there, Devin Wilkins. And hello, everybody out there. <laughs> I'm trying not to be distracted by the fact that I am hearing an echo in my ear. Anyway, hello, everybody out there, and welcome to Insight Peterborough, which is a project of both the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, oh, that's better, CCB, and... The Innovation Cluster and Big Idea. All right, uh, we're going to get right to our uh, material for the show today, and uh, I was thinking it was kind of too bad. Oh, by the way, I should wish everybody a ro happy Robbie Burns Day. It's kind of too bad that we uh, didn't have a chance to look up something by Johnny Reed, but who knows, maybe later on in the show we will. Right now, I put out a request to... Uh, people I know in the States uh, to see if there was a song about the white cane because the first week of February is white cane week here in Canada and in a couple of minutes we're going to chat with Les Leslie Yee from the uh, local chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind but right now here's a song um, by the B-L-E-N-N-Z music school called My White Cane.
and that was My White Cane by the B-L-E-N-N-Z Music School. Blends Music School. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where they're from. The NZ on the end makes me think of New Zealand, but I don't know. And neither did the person who sent it to me. <laughs> anyway, as I mentioned earlier, the first full week of February is White Cane Week, and here to chat with us is Leslie Yee, who is the vice president of our local chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, or CCB. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Good. Hi, Devin. Hi, Simon. Hi, Leslie. Nice to have you with us again. Thanks. And I know you'll be with us yet again at some point. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, uh, with another hat on. <laughs> yeah. That's talk- right. Yeah. And uh, you also have your guide dog, Akira, here with you, too, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, he's being a very quiet puppy dog. I'm bribing him. Oh, are you? (laughs) Ah, I see. With snacks? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, um, let's start right off at the beginning and say that you're here with uh, CCB and not CNIB, right? That's right. Yes, with the Canadian uh, Canadian Council of the Blind. Right, and um, which is uh, celebrating its 75th anniversary. Yeah, so this is their 75th year. So in 1944, the CCB was originally founded through uh, war for the war veterans at the time. And uh, CCB likes to concentrate on more uh, social and activity portion of uh, helping people with, with vision loss. So how did White Cane Week come to be? They, the, the Canadian Council of the Blind just had selected one week of awareness, basically, um, for uh, people with vision loss. And that is the week, uh, the month of February is the month that CCB was originally founded in. So that's why they chose February as that uh, as the month to uh, to celebrate. And this year, from February third to February 9th is our week of awareness celebration all across Canada. So every chapter will be uh, representing CCB in their own local communities and out talking to people about uh, about CCB and what their chapters do in each community. So, what are some of the things that our chapter here? has uh, done and is planning? Uh, We have our blind curling, which we do with the Peterborough Golf and Country Club out on Armour Road. And uh, we have some wonderful volunteers that are curlers themselves at the club that come out and help us on Wednesday mornings for for blind curling. Uh, We also have Insight Peterborough here at the radio station (laughs) as well with yourself. Uh, We have another program called From the Blind for the Blind, which is we're collecting as many gently used visual aids as possible. A lot of times we have visual aids that we've purchased we can't use anymore or um, we've outgrown them, for example, and they still work fine. So we're collecting them and redistributing them to people who can use them. Uh, there's no cost for people that want to use these items and um, that way if you can't afford to buy something at that time but you would like to try something this gives you the opportunity to do that terrific 
And, uh, yeah, so for a small group of people, we're, what, about 20? Yes, about yeah. 20 people or so, yeah. yeah. We do quite well. We do other activities like social activities. So this year we'd like to plan perhaps going to uh, the theater. Uh, we like to do some summertime fun things, whether it's, uh, we often have done the cruise on Little Lake, so we'd like to maybe try to do a different type of cruise this year um, on a different lake, perhaps on Stony Lake or something like that. But we, yeah, we do all kinds of fun activities during the year as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we did fairly well with our uh, Poinsettia fundraiser. Yes, we did. We did well. And this year as well, we sold um, the ornaments as well, mm -hmm. uh, Christmas tree ornaments, were, which were made from uh, tin and as a result had a lot of texture to them. So they were really nice because they were very tactile um, as well as, as visually nice to look at. So we did very well with that and often in the spring we sell chocolates of some kind as well as another fundraiser. Mm. We ha try to help the Easter Bunny out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> 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 so, um, right now, though, the project that is uh, uppermost in our minds is White Cane Week, and uh, what are we going to be doing during the week? Yeah, so we're going to have tables set up on Monday, starting Monday the 4th. So Monday and Tuesday, we will be at Peterborough Square from 9 till 3. And we'll be set up with, uh, we'll have things to give out as far as flyers and pens, that sort of thing. Um, but just come and talk to us, find out what we're doing and find out uh, um, any questions you might have. Everybody that's there is very willing to talk about their guide dogs or talked about using a cane and, and uh, you can ask us kind of any questions. On Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday night, we will be at the YMCA from 4 to 7. And then Thursday morning from 9 to 2, again, we'll be at the YMCA. And then on Friday, we will be at Chapters on Lansdowne Street from 12 to 3. And the wonderful thing at Chapters, it, it is a fundraising opportunity for us, where if anyone comes in and visits us and visits our table, um, when, if they purchase a book through Chapters, when they get to the cash register, they can say, I'd like the proceeds to go to the Canadian Council of the Blind. And during that 12 to 3 time slot, if anybody does that at the cash register, then we will receive a donation from Chapters. Mm. Yeah, so it's a wonderful opportunity for us. And that's on the Wednesday? That's on the Friday. Friday, oh yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, Friday from 12 to 3. Yeah, so I'll be going directly from here to there. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one uh, thing that I am quite excited about as far as the um, three hours at Chapters is that um, uh, Debbie uh, Thomas and I are going to be uh, bringing <clears throat> things that, uh, pieces of equipment that uh, we use to read with, whether it's um, uh, a Victor Reader Stream, which is a little um, talking book thing that you can carry around with you, or a daisy machine that's a little bit bigger that you put CDs into. Um, who knows, we may even have some uh, uh, magnifiers there. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, I'm hoping that we'll have a brailler there so that if you come in and you want your name written out in braille, well, we can do that. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's terrific. So that sounds like a, a busy week. Yes, I think it will be. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, it's a great time for anybody that has any questions for us. It's a great time to come and see us at one of the tables, and and uh, we can we're more than happy to answer all all the questions. Have you got a device that you can just put a book in and it'll read it, like they read the page aloud? There are some scanning devices that do that, um, where it will actually read whatever is on that page. Yes, and then you could just flip the page. So it basically takes a, almost a photograph of the page and then will read it out for you. So there are devices like that. Uh, there's also all the audio reader, readers mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. You can download books and onto your iPad even, and uh, it'll read it out loud for you too. Um, so there's there's quite a few different ways, and then of course the braille yeah. that uh, you can get braille books in. Mm -hmm. Big heavy books. Yeah. Yeah. Huge books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also a, a device, and I, I can have mine with me. I know Debbie has one too. It's called a Braille Edge, mm -hmm. and uh, you can uh, download a book onto an SD card, and um, put the SD card into the Braille Edge. And it will it will give you one line of Braille at a time. They are coming up with devices now that um, uh, that will give you more than one line. But these only do one line at a time. So you know you could have a huge book if you could fit it onto all you know onto one SD card. You could have a huge book like, well the Bible or Gone with the Wind or whatever. And um, if you were um, sitting outside or on a, a bus or a, a plane or, you know, lying on your back in bed and reading, mm -hmm. you, you can do that. And, and it's a, a whole lot easier to carry around than, uh, um, well, Gone with the Wind comes in 13 volumes. Oh, my gosh. Three inches thick <laughs> each. <laughs> I'm curious about this uh, Braille Edge 40. I actually just pulled it up here on, on the computer, and the price tag on this device is $2,400. Uh, I've yeah. seen one of these things. Somebody uses one of these to take notes, I think. Yeah. Uh, is there support for you folks to get these devices? Or do you have to, out of pocket, spend this amount of money on an on a assistive device? There sometimes there's support. It depends on the device itself, uh, through the Canadian the CNIB, <clears throat> and through Ontario um, ODSP. You can get support, um, for, uh, government support, basically, for some devices. But they only do it on certain devices. And a lot of the new ones, like this Braille Edge 3, wouldn't be on the list to be able to get help with. Uh, yeah, you uh, can. Oh, you can yeah, on this yeah. one? That's awesome. Yeah, and through the Assistive Devices Program. Yes, yes. Yeah, of the Ministry of Health. That's really good <clears throat> that that is on, on there, because I know a lot of magnifiers, like they'll mm -hmm. have one magnifier out of five possible choices. They'll have one that you could get help with, and it's mm -hmm. usually the smaller version as opposed to a larger magnifier, for example. Um, but it, So there are certain things that are on that list to get some support. Uh, support with but uh, in some cases some of the stuff just can't get on that list and then if you do want it it's out of pocket yeah hmm. mm -hmm. if you're lucky and uh, your device that you're looking for is covered by 
um, the assistive devices program. And if you're on ODSP, which is Ontario Disability Support Program, mm -hmm. the assistive devices program pays three quarters, oh. and ODSP pays for one quarter. But they seem to think that the minute that you turn 65, you become rich and wealthy and uh, have uh, bottomless pockets. Right. And uh, so ODSP won't pay uh, anything. So you have to be able to pay for that extra quarter of, uh, of uh, the cost of the device. Hmm. So that, that was uh, what I call an unbirthday present, yeah. which I got when I turned 65. Yeah, happy birthday, we're not going to pay for anything yeah, anymore? that's right, yeah. Well, I, I recently passed one of those benchmarks too, I mean, no longer youth or something, so. Ah. Yeah, I guess that that's, that's just a part of getting older, Devin. I know, I know, it's a, it's a pain. You've got to pay for your own stuff. I know, yeah. Jeez. I don't know where they think the money comes from. <laughs> I have not seen any money trees lately. <laughs> no, nor have I. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, Leslie, maybe you could tell us a little bit uh, about how CCB, and a lot of people still think that everything is run by CNIB. How does uh, CCB differ from CNIB? Well, <clears throat> both of them are um, fundraise, or sorry, both, both of them are... In individual companies, but they are run based off of of donations and um, government grants, in a sense, but on a larger scale. But the difference between the two, the CNIB now is part of our health system. So they offer um, help with um, physical help, you know, learning how to use a cane, independent living skills, uh, that sort of thing, and they're recommended through your doctor. What the CCB is, the, the CCB is a member-driven group. Uh, our people aren't clients, so the CNIB have clients. So the CCB, that's our group, Devin, yes. um, we are member-driven. So each chapter in each city is, is run and organized by its members themselves. We don't, <clears throat> we don't, <clears throat> excuse me, we're governed by a national office as far as making sure that, you know, if we have questions or, you know, on how to do things or how to proceed with things, we do have somewhere to go. But each group in each city can do their own things. We can do any social and physical activity that our group members want to do themselves. We organize it ourselves, we make our local community partnerships ourselves, and we do fundraising for ourselves as well. So um, the, we also concentrate on the social and the physical side of being active within our community and getting people out of their houses and socializing with other people, both with sight and without sight. Because, of course, we often do um, need and love having uh, sighted volunteers with us to help us with some things when we need it. Um, and they often enjoy... Um, you know, playing cards with us and uh, playing games and going out to activities with us as well. And it just allows us to be part of the community just just as everyone else is. Inclusion. Yeah, yeah totally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
One day last summer, uh, a few of us went out to the uh, lavender farm. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, I couldn't smell anything or whatever because I don't have a sense of smell. But but I enjoyed just being out there with um, people who have... uh, uh, become friends. Yes. And um, and it was a fun day. It was. And, and another time we went to the line, uh, Pioneer Village. Yes. And uh, I got myself a set of uh, spoons that I can play, you know, with uh, bands like Steelburner or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and they were really good out at Lane Pioneer Village as well. Yeah. Uh, they knew we were coming as a group. So when they have people positioned in the different houses to talk to you about the history of the house, Mm -hmm. um, they were very gracious in letting us actually bringing some of the objects to us so that we could touch it and feel it. Where normally they're off limits. Mm -hmm. So they had some items that we could actually feel and touch, which was really, really good. Uh, Because as as you know, when you go in there, if you happen to walk into a barn and everything's up on the walls, you know, to, to you can't physically go to them and see them and, and touch them. So they were really good that way in, in letting us have a bit more of an experiential time, as well as listening to the stories and the history of, of the different houses and uh, things that were at there. So it was actually very, it was a fun day too. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, very much. Hmm. And uh, so we're, we're always thinking of, uh, of other things that we like to do. We kicked around the idea at our last meeting about going to Campbellford and the chocolate factory. And yes. The cheese factory and mm-hmm. things like that. And having a lunch. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. Just to have yeah. a day out. You yeah. Know, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is White Cane Week a national or international event? Is this just Canada? I, I believe it's just Canada. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I think other countries celebrate it in their own way. I think the states have a white cane day, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why that song that we heard earlier was written for white cane day. So I, I probably could venture a guess at the answer to my question, but uh, I, I imagine some folks might not. Why, why is it white cane? What's with the cane? I, I understand myself. Uh, but. Yeah, well, our mobility cane is an international tool. So the the red and white portion of the cane identifies as a person with vision loss. And that is international. So you can go into any country and have that cane and people know that you have vision loss. And people can purchase the same cane in other countries. So the cane itself is international and a representative of a person with vision loss. So that's really the the reason why they call it White Cane Week. Mm -hmm. Just to bring that awareness around that. Right on. Mm-hmm. There is an International Guide Dog Day, which we will uh, be celebrating a little bit later on in the year. But uh, because there were virtually no guide dogs um, here in Canada, when the veterans needed some assistance most um, and uh, needed awareness of, of the need for assistance, um, uh, and because the White Cane is so international, they called it White Cane Week. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, supposing there, there are people out there listening who uh, are thinking, oh, you know, I think my mother might enjoy getting out with some other 
blind and uh, vi uh, low vision people and deafblind people. Um, or, uh, oh, I know somebody that, that has a visual impairment. How can they get in touch with our chapter? Yeah, so you, we can email us through ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And we also have our website, which is ccbpeterborough.ca. And I'm sorry, our email is ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. I'm not sure I said it. Yeah, the I think at so. gmail. Okay. <laughs> and then ccbpeterborough.com. Uh, is for our website and you can reach us through the website as well we have a page in there that you can t you you can email us any questions or thoughts that you might have and if you also have something um, sitting around that you're not using uh, whether it be a magnifier a special light that you were using perhaps with your vision loss and you're not using those items anymore please let us know as well and we can make arrangements for picking them up and collecting them and if you'd like to be on the list to get certain items um, you can also contact us the same way and we will forward that information on to Debbie who is in charge of the from the blind for the blind project that we're currently doing Debbie Harriet. Yes. Yeah. And Aileen Hill is ha uh, helping her yes, as that's well. Right. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else, uh, Leslie, that we should be talking about with regard to White Cane Week? No, I would just like to encourage anybody, if you're out and about and you happen to see us at one of these locations, so Monday and Tuesday is Peterborough Square from 9 to 3, and Wednesday, 4 to 7 at the Y, Thursday, 9 to 2 at the Y, and Friday from 10, uh, 12 to 3 at Chapters. If you happen to be going by and you see us, please stop, say hi, mm -hmm. give us a chat, ask us any questions that you'd like, and we would be happy to answer them for you. Definitely. Thanks so much for being with us, Leslie. That's great. Thanks for having me. And uh, good luck with uh, White Cane Week. I'm going to uh, pitch in there and help as much as I can. <laughs> Thanks. But uh, anyway, um, we have good uh, volunteers. And, um, you know, if uh, also if you're looking to do a little bit of volunteering, uh, you can contact us as well. That's great. Yes. So. Yes, thank you. Uh, so anyway, um, this is January 25th, and it is Robbie Burns Day. And I think you have found a song by Johnny Reed, who is Canadian, uh, Scottish-Canadian, right, Simon? I found a song called Whiskey Kisses by Johnny Reed. All right. Shall we hear it now? Yeah, sounds good. Here we go.
And that was Whiskey Kisses by Johnny Reed. And thank you for finding that, Simon. That was great. That was terrific. I just typed it in to Google. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So January has been and is Alzheimer Awareness Month. And they say that... uh, Uh, More and more people are being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementias. And uh, Sarah Cook is the public education coordinator with the local Alzheimer's Society here in uh, Peterborough and uh, area. And um, we, we tried to get her on last year but our schedules wouldn't mesh. And then darned if she didn't get pneumonia this year. Hmm. And uh, so it's been kind of um, touch and go as to whether we could do it or not. And she could come on live any other Friday except for the pneumonia, uh, but for today. (laughs) So what we did was I called her yesterday And we had a very informative chat, and here it is. Well, Sarah, welcome to the program. Glad that you're able to uh, be with us. 
Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to, uh, to speak with you today. So, you know, when I was a kid, <clears throat> uh, doctors always said that it was uh, that going senile, as they put it, was a, a normal part of aging. When did they kind of decide that that wasn't the case? Well, I'll tell you, I've been with the organization for, for about 16 years, and um, ever since I've been with the society, that has been a big myth that we've talked about. So I'd say it's probably a little bit beyond that, um, beyond that time. But, yeah, the term senility has, has been uh, used incorrectly throughout our society for a number of years. And, you know, it's very interesting. It's it's Yes, dementia is not a normal part of aging. It's really important for people to realize that. Um, and the term senility, you know, was a term that that uh, took on a lot of negative connotations over mm -hmm. time, right? If you said so, but somebody was going senile, it usually had a really negative connotation that the person was losing their mind or they were going crazy. There was lots of negative uh, images surrounding that. And unfortunately, you know, when you look at the term senility, all it really means is that it uh, it applies to old age. Um, but that term isn't relevant anymore because we now know that people well under the age of 65 can be living with dementia. People in their 50s, in their 40s, even in their 30s. Wow. So, so the term senile really is irrelevant now. And it's one of those words we need to remove from our, our vocabulary. Definitely. Is it rare for people to develop a dementia as young as uh, 30 or 40? So in the past, yeah, that was something that we didn't see, you know, very often. Most people, um, you know, were considered to be over the age of 65. But we now find that with, with particular types of Alzheimer's disease, like young-onset Alzheimer's disease or young-onset dementia, we are seeing people below the age of 65. And, you know, it's, it's not uncommon now um, that we will meet clients that are living with it uh, in their 40s and their 50s. And some, yes, we do have some of the, the rarer forms of dementia can even happen in, in a person's 30s. Wow. Did, did you know, for example, I just found this out recently, that uh, Robin Williams, I, I don't know how old he was, but he committed suicide because he had been told that he was uh, developing Lewy body's disease? Yeah, Lewy body disease or Lewy body dementia, those terms are used interchangeably. And, and uh, it, it happens, it's not as rare as what we think. Um, it happens in about 10 to 15 percent of people. So it's more common than what we're aware of. And, you know, now that, you know, the doctors and, and physicians and geriatricians are getting much more adept at being able to diagnose particular types of dementia. And so people are being more accurately diagnosed with it. So Lewy body dementia is a difficult one um, because it is a little faster progressing than, say, Alzheimer's disease. And it is also difficult because one of the main uh, symptoms can be hallucinations. So for some folks, it's a really difficult uh, behavior to deal with and, and to know how to address. Uh, Parkinson's-like symptoms are also uh, part of that, aren't they? Absolutely. So, you know, Parkinsonian, those physical symptoms of Parkinson's disease, the, you know, 
the muscle tremors, the shakes, the instability, the changes in gait and, and balance, um, those can all happen to a person that has Lewy body dementia. Those Parkinson's and Lewy body dementia, they're, they're kind of in that same realm. Um, so, yeah, it's more common than, than what we realize. So doctors are able to differentiate uh, better now, are they, between the various uh, dementias? Certainly. They're getting better at being able to diagnose. Um, knowing patients' history is really important, too, because if there are some underlying health risk factors, such as heart disease or, um, you know, vascular issues, all of those things are very important for them to be aware of. Um, because that may help to form that diagnosis. Um, but yes, physicians are often using MRIs to look at the brain to see if there might be hardening of the arteries, if there might be a tumor, um, if there's a certain degree of shrinkage that could be caused from a particular disease or disorder in the brain. And, you know, they really um, are looking also at using cognitive assessments to determine um, what areas of the brain are being affected. And so there's no single test to really, you know, tell um, if it's Alzheimer's per se, but they are able to often look at the brain and, and look at kind of the way the damage is affecting it to help them identify if it's a particular type of dementia. When they do MRIs, can they see the uh, plaques uh, that uh, develop in Alzheimer's? So it's actually not possible through an MRI to see the plaques and tangles that are considered the hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. uh, plaques and tangles are absolutely microscopic. And so unfortunately they can't tell that from an MRI, but what they're looking at, if they are thinking that it could be the Alzheimer type of dementia, um, sometimes they want to just rule out you know, that there's no physical changes in the brain like a tumor or an aneurysm or a blood clot. Um, but they also look at the degree of shrinkage that can happen. And uh, a, little, a little known fact is that all of our brains are shrinking as we age. But when it is Alzheimer's disease, they often look at an MRI and see that that shrinkage can be far more accelerated. Now, the shrinkage alone is not enough to determine the actual diagnosis because you can have shrinkage in the brain from many different things, but it is another piece um, for them to, to put toward the other information that they might have to form that diagnosis. So it's not definitive, but it can be helpful for doctors to look at that and see the, see the changes that are happening in the brain. Okay. Now, um, I know that uh, I know, perhaps uh, I think it happens to a lot of other people too. I can go into the uh, bedroom and think to myself, now, why did I come? What was it that I came for? Um, when should people be concerned about memory loss? Yeah, that's a great question, and we all do that, I'm sure, with our busy lives, and, you know, we're thinking about a million different things, and, oh, we've all been in that situation. Um, the important thing to recognize about dementia is that it's more than just memory loss. I know that we often associate, you know, memory loss with Alzheimer's disease, with various forms of dementia, but there's often other symptoms that accompany it, and what I... I am very clear to, to share is that it's not necessarily 
that normal age-related forgetfulness, but it's persistent short-term memory loss that can affect our ability to function every day. So if we're forgetting to take important heart medication, if we're forgetting to eat regular meals, if we're forgetting important doctor's appointments, um, those kinds of things affect the way that we're able to function every day, and then that might be, you know, worth speaking with your doctor about. Um, if it's recent conversations and details and events that are being lost, that could be a sign, an early sign of dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if if we're busy, though, or we're stressed, um, there's lots of things that can, you know, be attributed to, to memory loss. So, you know, we also have to look at what our, our day-to-day life is looking at, like, at that moment. Yeah. Um, because if we're ill or we're stressed or, you know, we're grieving about something, that can have a bearing on our memory. Right. So do doctors suggest when uh, people should contact the Alzheimer's Society or um, can people do it on their own? So we, we definitely have wonderful partnerships with the physicians in our community, um, but there is absolutely no referral required for our services. We encourage people to get in touch with the Alzheimer's Society if they you know, are, are seeing symptoms in themselves or um, maybe a, a family member or a friend and they have questions about it, there's no referral required for our services. Um, so people can feel free, you know, even if they're in doubt about it, um, it's great for them to be able to call us or to come in and visit us, and we can talk about it and provide resources and information. Um, we're, we're always very happy to do that. Terrific. And uh, Do you provide tri- tips and tricks uh, for um, assisting people to, to cope? Definitely. So that's one of the things that we often look at in our support groups, in our education, uh, in our you know our activity groups that we do uh, with persons with dementia. You know, we, we suggest lots of different you know memory aids and mm-hmm. ways that we can help our brains to remember some of that information. So you know, everything from using uh, timers, for example, to remind us of something coming up, or uh, a, a whiteboard calendar to help us organize our day-to-day activities, lists that, you know, you can check those items off when you've completed them. Yeah. Um, and even post-it notes, you know, to help us remember things. So we do. We work with families. We work with individuals a lot on, on um, you know, using those types of memory aids to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are there any apps that uh, will help people cope? Yes, there are um, some some apps on dementia um, that, yeah, you can go on the Internet and have a look and see what might be right for you. Um, there are some apps that will help with different activities. There are some apps that will help with creating lists and reminders. And, you know, the one thing that we do caution people is using newer technology or using um things that might be new to the person can sometimes be a bit problematic for somebody with memory loss Mm -hmm. because the memory is so important and that's how we store information that's new. And so we have found from time to time that some of our clients will say, I'd like to learn that, but my brain doesn't have the ability to store that information. So 
they can get frustrated with using technology or new new devices. So we always have to say you have to find that balance. You want to be able to find something that works for you, that supports you and helps you, that's not overwhelming and frustrating. What are some of the other services that the Alzheimer's uh, offers to both um, patients and families? So we offer many different services. Um, one of the one of the biggest ones that we offer is, is client support, and you know we do this in the best way to meet the unique needs of our clients. So if they need to talk on the phone, if they um, are working, it could be you know a, a daughter or a son supporting mom or dad, and they only have a few minutes during their lunch because they're at work. Um, they have a few minutes to send out an email, and they're they're looking for some support that way. Uh, we do one-on-one -on -one visits. We also do do lots of different support groups for caregivers and for persons living with dementia. Uh, we do activity groups for persons with dementia as well so that we give them um, some activities to help, you know, build that brain health, which is so important. Uh, we do lots of education out in the community. Um, we do education and learning series with families and individuals to help them learn, you know, all, all the different things that may be important throughout the journey. We offer uh, a really great walking club in the Peterborough area. Uh, we have a Minds in Motion program, which really combines social interaction with, with brain-healthy activities and some fitness, um, and it gets people with dementia and their family members out to a social environment, but also to get some great little movement exercises in there. Um, and we also have a friendly visiting program where we have volunteers that go out and will provide a visit and some companionship to the person um, with dementia so that perhaps their care partner or family member can have a little bit of a break. Um, and that's such a valuable program as well. Oh, that's super. So people really need to get in touch with you to find out all the services that you do offer. Um, how can they go about doing that? So they can pop by our office, come in for a visit. Um, our office is right uh, on Simcoe Street in Peterborough, right across from the city bus terminal. And we're, you know, available 8.30 to 4.30, Monday to Friday. Uh, they can call our office at 705-748-5131. Um, or they can use our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-561-2588. And you can also find us... Um, at our, at our website as well. There's lots of great information there. And uh, yeah, what would that be? go on and, and search for the Alzheimer's Society of Peterborough, uh, Court Lakes, Northumberland, Halliburton. Um, you can find all the information how to reach us. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to give me your website? Sure, I can read it off to you. It's a, it's a big one. It's www.alzheimer.ca slash P-K-L-N-H, which is the short form for our uh, our very long name. Okay, yeah. Um, is there anything else that uh, that you wanted to uh, add that you're you're doing, or you, you want people to get involved with, or anything like that? Well, I I certainly think it's important to mention that January is Alzheimer Awareness Month, and uh, you know this year's campaign is called Yes, I Live with Dementia and Let Me Help You Understand. And it's all about people sharing their stories, whether they're a care partner or a family member or a person living with dementia. You know, there's such 
strength in people being able to share what they're going through, um, what have some of the challenges been, what have the joys been, and really how are they living well with dementia because it's important to realize that, you know, there's a lot of stigma around dementia and people can live well as long as they're supported by the, you know, the best resources, uh, people that understand and are willing to support and help out. So that's really important. Terrific. And uh, so the best uh, way to find out, uh, oh, do you have any fundraising events happening? We do have a fundraising event coming up. Um, I believe it's May 25th is our, is our Walk for Alzheimer's. It's happening. Um, it's always a wonderful event. It brings out, you know, people that are supporting uh, individuals with dementia, whether they're family members or friends. It's a family-friendly event. Uh, it is essentially, you know, a walk fundraiser, but it's non-competitive, and uh, we really, really are looking forward to that. All right, and uh, keep uh, Insight Peterborough in mind so that we can continue to uh, announce things for you. Yes, well, thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much for being with us, and... Uh, We'll look forward to chatting with you again about Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementias. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me in to, uh, to discuss what I think is such an important um, disease and, and, to, you know, and also for your assistance in raising awareness about it. So there was Sarah Cook, and uh, she, once again, is the Public educa Education Coordinator for the um, local uh, Alzheimer's Society in this area. And we're very glad to finally get the chance to have a chat. Yeah, and hey, that was a great interview. The, the quality sounded fantastic. Just over the phone, I guess, eh? Yeah, I have uh, my speaker phone, and I uh, set it in front of the microphone of a little recorder that I have, and it seems to do the trick. I'm very satisfied with it. You always seem to find a way. Yeah, yeah. So I was chatting um, earlier with Sarah and asking her if she knew any Canadian artists that have or had Alzheimer's, and, uh, I mean, Glenn Campbell, certainly. Uh, we could have played something by him. I have stuff we could have played, and Bobby V, you know, of uh, Come Back When You Grow Up fame. Um, yeah, but. But, but. They are both um, American, and we do have a, uh, a band whose leader, Johnny Mann, has apparently um, developed early onset Alzheimer's disease. And uh, you have a, a song by Spirit of the West that is a favorite of yours, Simon. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and uh, certainly used to listen to it a lot more, but uh, looking forward to it. It's called Home for a Rest. Will soon be my 
That's a fun song. Yeah, definitely it is. 
And uh, it's been a fun, informative hour. And I do hope that you'll join us next week. Have a good week and uh, bye for now. Bye for now.